Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Here on your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on good old 960 AM WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com, our free WSBT radio app. You can acquire that app right now. It takes very little time. Just go to the iTunes or Google Play stores. Search WSBT Radio. Get the app. You can listen to us live. Or also, we have an on-demand section where you can check out interviews and complete shows from Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're on the air Monday through Friday, normally from 5 to 7. That's the case the rest of the week with the South Bend Cubs playing in the central time zone in Beloit. Cubs already done today. They beat the Skycarp 10-2, so no Cubs baseball tonight. Back at it tomorrow at around 7.20 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hope you're having a terrific Wednesday, May the 17th of 2023. It is eight minutes after 5 o'clock. We've got our hat trick of opening topics to begin the program in just a second. Notre Dame football, number 13 in the country. Also, if you like video games, if you like college football, good news today. And the PGA Championship starts tomorrow. Also on tap for tonight, at 5.30, one of the best college lacrosse players in the country is going to join me live, and that's Notre Dame's Pat Cavanaugh, who today was named first team All-American by Inside Lacrosse. This guy's having an amazing season for the Fighting Irish, including in their NCAA tournament win over Utah over the weekend. Seven points, three goals, and four assists. We'll talk to Pat coming up in about 20 minutes here on WSBT Radio. We've got our Twitter question of the day. We'll talk Notre Dame football one hour from right now with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter, Tyler Horka. We've got our My Five, and it focuses on kind of the big seven in the ACC, 
talking things over about their possibility since they're not going to be making nearly the money being in the ACC compared to teams that are a part of the SEC and the Big Ten. So what combination of teams might the Big Ten most be interested in if they're looking to add teams? And we have some sports wagering conversation to get to. After a really good week and a half stretch, it was a clunker last night going 0-4 Tuesday night with my suggestions. We'll try again, though, coming up here in about an hour and a half on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's start the program by focusing on some college football and projections for the upcoming season. If you love college football, more than likely you like seeing the way-too-early top 25 lists, what various analysts, broadcasters, writers think about your favorite team or other teams across the country. Now, I think this guy is a terrific analyst. He does work on Fox. He worked for the NFL Network during the recent NFL draft, and it's Joel Klatt. And he came out today on Fox Sports with his very own preseason top 25, and Notre Dame ranked 13th in his poll. I've been talking really all offseason that Notre Dame more than likely is going to be a top 15 team. A, the team name is very well known. B, you've got a well-known quarterback. That gives you a chance to be in the top 15 without anything else being discussed. But Notre Dame coming off a 9-4 and campaign. And being ranked 13th would mean expectations are at least a little higher for Joe Clatt on this Notre Dame football team compared to last year's squad. It is year two for Marcus Freeman as a head coach, so you're hoping for an improvement this year. In particular, beating the teams that you should beat, like Marshall and Stanford, that didn't happen last year. So Joel Klatt's top 25, here is what he came up with. No surprise who is number one, no matter who replaces Stetson Bennett with the way Georgia has amassed talent, the way they have put those players in a great position to succeed, and just what they have done over the last couple of years. The two-time defending champs, very worthy of anyone ranking them number one in the country. Someone's got to beat them. The next two spots in the top 25, according to Joel Klatt, are from the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, you know who it is. The old Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes. My, oh, my, how the storyline for those two teams have changed the last two years. It used to be Michigan can't beat Ohio State. They're way behind Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh's going to get fired because he can't beat Ohio State. Well, now... It's Ryan Day, supposedly under pressure to beat Michigan after losing the last two years, including last year at the Horseshoe. Now, the old Buckeyes got to go back to the big house for this year's rivalry matchup. And of course, Ohio State will be coming to good old Notre Dame Stadium this year for a regular season game. I will say this about Ohio State. Their offensive line appears to have some weaknesses. And if you have some holes in your offensive line play, 
that can really hurt you. Now they've got Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw the football, arguably the best wide receiver in the country and might have been the first wide receiver to come off the board in the NFL draft if he was eligible a couple of weeks ago. But if your offensive line doesn't hold up, might be a little harder than you would hope to get the football to him. Now we'll see when the Buckeyes take the field, how things play out. But you got Michigan and Ohio State 2-3 and Joel Klatt's preseason top 25. Now this next one might be the classic name recognition. Now Joel does his homework, so I'm not throwing water on this selection. But he's got the Alabama Crimson Tide at number four. Now, their roster could be fantastic across the board, but if you don't have a quarterback, I think it's going to be very difficult for Bama to finish fourth and a lot of pressure on the defense and the running game to be elite to make up for. More than likely, they're not going to have an elite quarterback. We all know that Tyler Buckner left Notre Dame to go to Alabama, and oddly enough, he's got a better chance to start at Alabama than he did at Notre Dame. Some might say that's not a good sign for Alabama, and I'm slightly in that category. I'm still curious to see the relationship between Tommy Reese and Nick Saban. Now, Reese's offensive numbers at Notre Dame are not what Alabama is used to, but let me say this. As critical as I was about Tommy's failure up until the last year with Marcus Freeman in recruiting quarterbacks, which probably helped keep those numbers too low, he was a guy last year that was handcuffed. Despite believing he had two championship quarterbacks, which is just still hard to believe he thought that. But Drew Pine was a quarterback that was so limited that Tommy Reese had to adjust his offense to make it work with Drew Pine. So I'm going to give him credit for that. And I'm sure Nick Saban can look at tape and saw what he did. And I think he wants more tight end play at Alabama. And Tommy Reese has been really good at getting the footballs to tight ends. But again, is the quarterback play going to be good enough for Alabama? You got to play all the big boys on their side of the SEC. And eventually you might have to play Georgia. Is that quarterback play going to be enough? So, Despite Alabama being so consistent in the playoff or right there, I can't wait to see what their offense looks like this fall. Joe Klatt's preseason top 25, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, the top four. Many believe in Happy Valley. This is the year Penn State turns the corner. This is the year they truly challenge Michigan and Ohio State for the division title, which would give them a chance to get to the Big Ten title game in the college football playoff. It's a big ask, but they've been building, and they feel like this is the team that gives them the best shot compared to the last few years. At six, our friends from Southern California, quarterback Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. They have hit the transfer portal hard at the Coliseum. At number seven, Mr. Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Jaden Daniels at quarterback, Logan Diggs at running back. Interesting combination. Is this the year Florida State is back? You know, back is overused. We've heard Texas is back. (laughs) Miami is back. Well, their backs are still up against the wall in those places. 
But maybe Florida State makes the jump this year, and they are the beast of the ACC, which probably doesn't say as much as it did a couple of years ago. Joel has the Washington Huskies at number 9, the Tennessee Volunteers at 10, and the two teams right ahead of the Irish in his preseason poll. Number 11, Utah. Number 12, Oregon. Then you got the Irish at 13, Clemson at 14, and the TCU Horn Frogs. New quarterback. Lost a lot of weapons this past offseason. How do they bounce back from the drubbing in the title game? Clad has TCU coming in at number 15. Tomorrow's program will have a little more fun with this preseason top 25 that Fox analyst Joel Klatt put together. We will use these rankings to put together a hypothetical 12-team playoff. A 12-team playoff that Notre Dame would miss out on by one spot. But maybe just for fun, I put them in as the last wildcard team because two conference champions not in the top four get in. So five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, the six wild cards. Maybe we'll put Notre Dame as one of those wild cards just to see what their path would look like. So we'll do that in the hat trick of opening topics in tomorrow's program. Next up, hat trick topic number two. NCAA football, the video game is coming back. The last time we saw a college football video game from EA Sports was the 2014 version that was released in the summer of 2013. But it was announced today the game is coming back in the summer of 2024. Daryl Holt, EA Sports Vice President and General Manager, told ESPN in an interview the brand is going to launch EA Sports College Football at that time because of the totality of of the undertaking of creating the game from scratch. For them, it's not about rushing to market, but making sure the inaugural edition of what they plan to have as a yearly title is up to the standard. Now, over the past few years, EA Sports has been working to acquire the rights for at least 120 FBS schools, plus the 10 FBS conferences, and the college football playoff. Now, the popular Dynasty game mode will return, as will Road to Glory, and yes, there will be a transfer portal in the game. Now, EA Sports has been working to get these FCS schools so they can make an authentic as possible game as they can. So I'm sure they're trying to get the rights to, for example, maybe Touchdown Jesus in the background as you play at Notre Dame Stadium. They're also going to give FBS players the opportunity to opt in to have their likenesses in EA Sports College football game. Those players will receive compensation for being placed in the game. Now, you might remember a few years ago, EA Sports was going to come back with the college football game, but that didn't work out. I mentioned it was last produced in 2013, but discontinued while the Ed O'Bannon antitrust class action lawsuit against the NCAA was taking place. So again, 
They're going to take plenty of time to make this game right. College playbooks aren't the same necessarily as the NFL. Different animations, different codes. So it's not going to be necessarily like the Madden NFL games. The college football game will be, I think, distinct. And hopefully they will have all the pomp and circumstances to make the game real. Like you want to hear the Notre Dame fight song after scoring a touchdown in EA Sports College Football, which is coming back next summer. First time since July of 2013. And finally, the PGA Championship starts tomorrow at Oak Hill Country Club near Rochester, New York. They play on the East Coast. No one has played that golf course since October. They shut it down to members. Play started this week on the golf course. Of course, the practice rounds. 7,390 yards. It's a par 70. The East Course was ranked by Golf Digest back in 2019 as the 22nd best Great American Golf Course. Accuracy off the tee, vital. Precision iron play. Each side has two par threes and just one par five. You got a risk reward, par four. 14th place, 310 yards, but there are all sorts of danger around that green. Truly a risk reward hole. How tough is this course? The seniors had a major there in 2019, and Mark Kalkovecchia played in it, missed the cut. He didn't make a birdie in 36 holes, and he said he wondered how members even enjoy playing this particular course. Now expect scores close to par in Oak Hill's major championship history. 1968, Lee Trevino won by four strokes, and that U.S. Open was won at minus 5, 275. In 1980, Jack Nicklaus won the PGA by seven strokes, he had a six under par, 274. Curtis Strange, back-to-back U.S. Opens in 89. He won at Oak Hill by a shot. The score, two under, 278. In 03, Indiana University's Sean McKeel, the stunning win at the PGA. He won at Oak Hill by two shots, four under par, 276. And the one time the scores got, I guess, okay. Not as close to even par as some of the others. The 13 PGA, minus 10, 270, won the golf tournament. Jason Duffner, a two-shot win over Jim Furyk. The tournament starts tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, going off number 10, some interesting pairings. Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Gary Woodland. At 8-11, you got Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Colin Morikawa. You could argue three of the faces now the PGA Tour after the split with Live Golf. At 822, Victor Hovland, Shane Lowry, and Jordan Spieth's going to try to go despite missing last week's stop near his hometown of Dallas with a left wrist injury. And at 833 tomorrow morning, this is good. John Rahm, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Open champion Cameron Smith, who is now on the Live Golf Tour. And tomorrow off number one in the afternoon at 125, Tommy Fleetwood, Cameron Young, and Hideki Matsuyama, the former Masters champion. At 136, Max Homa looking for his first top 10 finish in a major. Plays with Adam Scott and Tony Finau. And at 158, Patrick Cantley, Ricky Fowler, and now live golf player. And the winner of this championship two years ago, didn't play last year, Phil Mickelson. Major number two, the PGA Championship at Oak Hill near Rochester, New York. It is 525, and that's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight's program. Coming up in a moment, we'll talk to one of the best lacrosse players in the nation, and he plays for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame trying to bring this program a national championship. 
We'll visit with Pat Cavanaugh coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And don't forget, we're talking Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka at 6.05 here on WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the show. It is 531 on this Wednesday evening. Well, what a performance by the Notre Dame lacrosse team over the weekend in first round NCAA tournament action at Arlotta Stadium on Saturday. They routed Utah. 20 to 7. And my guest, Pat Cavanaugh, matched Notre Dame records for points and assists in an NCAA tournament game. He had seven points, three goals, and four assists. Today, Pat was named first team All-American by Inside Lacrosse. And so far this year, in 13 games, 29 goals, 43 assists, and 72 points to lead the Fighting Irish, and Notre Dame will take on Johns Hopkins in NCAA Tournament quarterfinal action in Annapolis, Maryland, Sunday at 2.30. You can watch the game and cheer on the Fighting Irish on ESPNU, and it is my pleasure to welcome Pat Cavanaugh to the program. Pat, it's Darren Pritchett, a pleasure to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, and Congratulations on all the success so far this year. How do you put it into words when people who vote on the best players in the country believe that you are truly one of the best and named a first-team All-American today? Yeah, it's pretty special, um, pretty cool getting the recognition. But um, honestly, it's just a lot of credit to the coaches for putting me in position to succeed, as well as my teammates for uh, – succeeding all year and um, pushing me to be to be the best teammate I can be and um, also just playing really well and cohesive the entire year so credit to my teammates and the coaches. Pat your head coach Kevin Corrigan has been doing this a long time 35 years as Notre Dame lacrosse coach offer a perspective what it's like to work with him and the knowledge that he has in the game that he brings to you guys on a daily basis. Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, he's so knowledgeable about the sport of lacrosse. It's honestly so impressive every day. I pick up some new information about the game of lacrosse. You know, you think you know everything you've been playing for so long, but Coach Corrigan truly does know. know he knows it all. He's been coaching here at the D1 level for 30-plus years. He's built this program from the ground up. So he's um, very impressive. Man, very respectable man, um, and I love playing for him. Um, I've known, yeah, I've known him for a while now. My older brother Matt was fortunate enough to play for him, so yeah, we've built a really good relationship over the the past decade or so. Pat, take us back just for a moment, a, a couple of years when you had a choice to play probably wherever you wanted in college lacrosse. What was the recruiting experience like, and what ended up being the difference? and maybe following the footsteps of a brother to come to the University of Notre Dame? Uh, yeah, I had a pretty unique recruiting experience. I didn't. I was really, really late bloomer in high school. I didn't really mm. grow until about my senior year, so I actually didn't really have that many college offers. Really? Wow. Um, only, only, yeah, 
only a few. I only visited um, three schools, including Notre Dame. But um, ultimately, I was able to do a postgraduate year of high school and catch up on on growth and um, the physical aspects of lacrosse. So, yeah, I ended up committing to Notre Dame. I always dreamed of playing here and following in my older brother Matt's footsteps. So, yeah, that was always the goal. And it worked out. And, yeah, it's been been awesome four years so far so i gotta ask with an older brother and then you got your younger brother chris uh, what was it like in the backyard when the kavanaugh brothers started a lacrosse game uh yeah it was awesome those are some of the best memories i have um ended up getting a little too physical <laughs> me and chris really competitive back there but yeah yeah it was awesome um some of the best memories like i said but yeah it really shaped shaped us into the players we are today um as well as people as we've always just been super competitive and not wanting to lose and always pushing each other to be to be better than one another so yeah definitely definitely really fortunate for those times he is pat cavanaugh notre dame lacrosse player first team all america the irish in the quarterfinals coming up this weekend against johns hopkins you know, Pat, last year probably did not end up the way you guys expected. How much with the way last year ended was motivation going into this upcoming season? I know you have goals and team aspirations every year, but last year, did that add a little more fuel to the fire for you and this team? Uh, yeah, definitely, especially throughout the fall and the preseason. We are really – just focus on every little detail possible, not taking anything for granted, um, being having a really clean locker room, um, not being late to anything, just all the little things weren't taking anything for granted. So, and then it carried over into the spring, just preaching a game by game mentality. We knew every single game was equally important in the games of February and May. So, um, we preached just going one and oh every week and taking it game by game. And, uh, yeah, just not leaving anything for doubt like we learned last year. Uh, so, yeah, definitely say we used it as motivation the whole year, yeah. whole summer. Uh, didn't really sit well with guys. So, yeah. Yeah, the Irish are back in the NCAA tournament looking to do a whole lot of damage, including this weekend when they take on Johns Hopkins. And, Pat, you and the team have to be so thrilled with the support you get from the Notre Dame lacrosse family and maybe just Notre Dame fans in general – Fourth in the NCAA in home attendance at 2,145. You had a big crowd for that win over Utah by a score of 20-7. to 7. I think you guys probably might have been surprised a few weeks ago when the Notre Dame football team showed up after their spring practice cheering you guys on. What was that experience like? And then just in general, to have so many fans supporting you at Orlada Stadium. Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, we got one of the, in my opinion, the best venue in college across at Arlotta. So, yeah, um, seeing the South Bend community and the Notre Dame community come out for home games is awesome. Uh, the weather's not always great, but they they continue to support us and bring a lot of energy to the games and makes it a really great atmosphere. So, yeah, we're lucky to have some of the best fans in college across as well as playing, in my opinion, the best venue. So, yeah, it's a special atmosphere at Arlotta, and uh, we had a great time playing here this year. Well, Pat, I know last weekend you faced a Utah team, and I had Coach Corrigan on the program, and he mentioned Utah's style of lacrosse was a little different from what you guys normally face. So I asked him, 
do you have what maybe a football team would call a scout team to help put together a unit that would play like Utah? So I'm curious, how important was the scout team last week, and just how well did you guys play against this opponent that you really hadn't seen or maybe didn't know a whole lot about? Yeah, those guys were awesome last week in practice. Every single day, just going as hard as possible, um, embracing their role on the scout team and and knowing that the work that they put in during practice during the week, um, although it won't be seen on the field on during the game, um, it, it will ultimately help us um, end up winning the game and playing well because because uh, of their preparation during the week. So yeah, the scout team scout team guys had a great week last week. Like Coach Corgan said, Utah had a really unique style of play. They like the run and gun, um, really uh, spark up transition a lot. So yeah, our guys were, were running, running the field in practice, just pushing everything that they could in transition. So we saw it in the game on Saturday. We were really ready for it and prepared. So yeah, all credit to those guys for getting us ready. It was awesome. Pat, I'm wondering from your perspective, what are the similarities and what are the major differences between you and Chris on the lacrosse field? Um, similar in the sense that we're really, really competitive. Uh, we hate losing and we'll do anything it takes to win, including putting our bodies on the line or really, really anything. We'll sacrifice anything for the team to win. So yeah, definitely stay competitive and just really unselfish. Um, and then differences, I don't know, in our play style, I'm, I'm definitely more of a passer and Chris is probably the, the main goal scorer. So we're different in that sense, but yeah, we're, we're pretty similar for the most part. How much more enjoyable is this experience getting to play with your brother here at the University of Notre Dame? Yeah, it's been unbelievable having him. Uh, we've been, we've been best friends for pretty much my whole life. So, um, yeah, being able to strap on the gold helmet at, uh, at both of our dream schools is, it's unbelievable. It's surreal. Um, walking into the locker room every day and seeing your little brother and your best friend sitting right there is really cool and try not to take any moment for granted because mm. it goes by extremely fast. He's already a junior. It feels like he just got to campus <laughs> last year. So, yeah, he's already going to be a junior in a few months. So, yeah, just taking it day by day and not taking anything for granted, not taking any time mm. for granted with him here. Well said. Pat Cavanaugh, my guest, Notre Dame lacrosse player. The Irish getting set for the quarterfinals against John Hopkins Sunday at 2.30 on ESPNU. I'll tell our listeners, I, I mentioned to Pat before we went on the air, calling the Notre Dame hockey games how physical hockey is, but there's a lot of gear on the hockey players. I watch lacrosse games, and I'm a beginning lacrosse fan. I've gotten into it over the last couple of years. I'm amazed at the physicality, the contact you guys take, and you look at the equipment comparison between a hockey player and a cross player, you guys do not have nearly the protection. So give listeners an idea that have never played lacrosse, I mean, how physical is it and what type of bumps and bruises do you have this late in the season? Yeah, it's extremely physical. Um, these are some of the best athletes in the country. Uh, yeah, guys are it's more 230 pounds running at you full speed throwing hitting you with a metal shaft so <laughs> you're not really wearing wearing that much equipment you wear 
elbow pads, but they don't they don't really do too much and gloves but other than that. And of course the helmet, but other than that, you don't really have too much equipment on and you're, you're getting slashed really hard pretty much on every <laughs> play if you play offense. So yeah, it's really physical and you're definitely leaving these games with a lot of bruises and bumps. So yeah, it's intense. Wow, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, sure. I'm just wondering, I never played lacrosse. How difficult is it to learn the release and be an accurate shooter? Because you take a look at the goalies. I mean, they've got a lot of equipment on. It's a small net. I'm just wondering, how long does it take you to be elite in being able to put the ball right exactly where you want it? Uh yeah, you definitely have to work on your craft. Like, like being elite at anything, you got to put the time in, you got to put the effort in. So, yeah, I definitely say it takes time and just constantly working on your craft and developing your skills as much as possible. So, yeah, I'm still I'm still developing as a player as well to this day. So, yeah, I try and work on something new as much as possible. I just want to ask this for people again that maybe you're picking up lacrosse or going to watch for the first time on Sunday. We see face-offs in the game. It's one-on-one. I notice in the stats you guys are 46% in face-off wins. The opposition is 53%. I know Coach Corrigan has mentioned that's a number he'd like to see get better. What is the key? Is there a, a trick or something that the people that win the face-off do more than the opposition? I know in hockey, most of the time it's cheating allows you to win face-offs, but what about in lacrosse? Um, yeah, lacrosse is way different um so it's two guys um with sticks they call them and um i don't know it's pretty much whoever's quick off the quicker off the whistle usually wins the the clamp they call it uh just clamping the the head of the stick over the ball and Mm. then uh the face-off guy can exit the clamp with a clean win but um, a lot of the times most of the time it ends up being a ground ball scrum so the wing play, guys coming in off the wings, is really important in the face-off game. And that's what we've been really good at all year because we haven't won many face-offs clean. Um, but we've had really strong wing play and causing turnovers off of that if we do end up losing the face-off. So, yeah, like you said, we've been facing off at under 50%, but it ends up being pretty even throughout the course of the game because of how uh, how strong our ride and, and uh, wing play has been. Yeah, you guys are plus 50 in the turnover category. That's pretty doggone impressive. I just got to ask you really quick, in practice you face Liam Entenman, one of the top goaltenders in the country, ACC or the uh, Conference Defensive Player of the Year. What is it like to go up against him? And I guess how much does it help him to go up against an offense in practice that's averaging almost 16 goals per game? Yeah, it's, it's tough shooting on Liam it- kind of kills your confidence honestly it's so hard to score on but i've been shooting on him for a while now i went to the same high school as liam grew up together playing hockey together actually so i've known liam for a while it's it's fun playing with him he's one of my best friends and yeah it's tough shooting on him though um i always tell him he, he ruins my confidence all the time whenever i shoot on him but yeah he definitely makes you work on your shot a lot more you can see what what you could do better to beat him. But, yeah, I think honestly, our scout team goes up against Liam more than I do in practice, okay. and our scout guys get a great look each week. So, 
I didn't know you guys played hockey, so I got to ask this. What position did you play? And I'm assuming Liam was a goaltender. Am I wrong? Yeah, you are wrong. <laughs> Liam was a defenseman. Was he? Okay. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was a good player. And what position did you play? Yeah, I was a center. You are a center. Okay, gotcha. Hey, one final question for you. You got John Hopkins coming up. This weekend in the NCAA tournament quarterfinals, they have a great tradition of lacrosse there. What are going to be the keys for the Fighting Irish to win this match and move on to the semifinals? Um, I think we we don't really have to change anything up. We just got to come out and keep doing the same things we're doing, just playing extremely hard and unselfish, moving the ball and playing great defense and Obviously, Liam's standing on his head like he always does. So, yeah, just a mixture of everything that's been working throughout the year. Um, hopefully, we could we could get pretty even or a little more than 50% on the face-offs. And I think if we get around 50, then we'll be just fine. So, yeah, not really do anything crazy. Just keep it simple and just play hard and try Mates and know that we'll get the job done. He is Pat Cavadaw, 29 goals, 43 assists, 72 points, first team All-American, and he's going to try to lead the Fighting Irish to the semifinals again. Notre Dame, Johns Hopkins, quarterfinals, Annapolis, Maryland. You can watch the game on ESPNU Sunday at 2.30. Pat, a pleasure to talk to you. I greatly appreciate you taking some time to talk to me about this Notre Dame lacrosse team and your season. And thanks for being generous with your time for a beginner as I learn more about the game of lacrosse. So greatly appreciate it, and good luck this weekend against Johns Hopkins. No problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you very much. Pat Cavanaugh, my guest, the Irish and Johns Hopkins coming up Sunday, 2.30 on ESPNU. Truly one of the great college lacrosse players in the country playing right here at Notre Dame. We'll take a timeout, 548 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 552 at WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. Our Twitter question of the day from yesterday's program. You could have voted on it on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. The question was, what is the best choice Notre Dame has made to enhance their football program? From the choices I gave you, including add field turf, adding the video board, or the stadium expansion. So which was the best choice to enhance the Irish football program? All three have been fantastic additions to Notre Dame football. But you, the fans, say coming in third place, 18% of the vote, adding field turf. As I mentioned yesterday, we were talking about the field turf. This probably would have gotten 0% of the vote a few years ago. But now it's just part of Notre Dame football at Notre Dame Stadium, the injuries have not been a factor because of field turf injuries. It's been a great surface for the Irish. Second place in the voting, stadium expansion at 25%. I wasn't expecting this to win. I'm not sure truly how many Notre Dame fans really get to experience all of the renovations that have taken place. Not renovation, the expansion around Notre Dame Stadium. But winning easily 
Adding the video board at Notre Dame Stadium has enhanced the football program the most of these choices. That got 57% of the vote. Just seeing the replays of each play just adds to the experience as a fan at Notre Dame Stadium. Plus, the long timeouts, you have something to look at. All right, we thank you for voting. Now, today's question. Again, available right now, my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Which Chicago team do you believe will turn around their franchise and into a championship contender the quickest? All these teams are trying to get going once again. The White Sox maybe should be there. It's not worked out. So what do you think? Which of these Chicago teams do you believe will turn their franchise into a championship contender the quickest? Now, you can only have four choices. This isn't a huge NBA market, so I left the Bulls off. They're kind of, I think, stuck in neutral. They've been stuck in neutral, it seems like, for a few years. So we went with the other big four. Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, Chicago Blackhawks, Chicago Bears. Who will turn their franchise into a championship contender the quickest? The Hawks are getting Bedard, no doubt the best player in the hockey draft. Bears had the number one pick, dropped down. They've got Justin Fields to build around the Sox, or at a crossroads probably. And the Cubs are trying to work their way back into a contender. So who does it the quickest? Cubs, Sox, Hawks, Bears. Head to my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. And don't forget that we have another Wings Etc. question for you. This week we're asking you to respond to this question on my Twitter account. What will be the strength of the Notre Dame football team? Reply to that post with your answer. And once you hit reply, you automatically go into a drawing on Friday after I announce all the people's responses to a $50 gift card to wings, etc. Love hot wings and cold beer? Good food and great times are always on tap at Wings, etc. Grill and Pub with a great selection of ice, cold beer, award-winning jumbo wings and more. Stop by a location near you. All the fun on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeak. We'll talk all things Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka coming up after a sports update from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And by the way, Sportspeak brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bethel University. Adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Budweiser's weekday sports beat moves into the 6 o'clock hour. It is 6.07 on this Wednesday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. I'm joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter. 
for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We're going to have a conversation about Notre Dame football right now on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. And like me, Tyler is a big hockey fan, and we were just joking before coming on the air, the growth of hockey in North America increasing by the second with Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, and Florida in the Final Four. That's just dripping original six, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy that Vegas is the northernmost city of all those sports, too. I mean, look look at a map, and it's just (laughs) insane. (laughs) Well, you got to be careful as an opposing team not to fall in love with Vegas too much, but at this point of the – playoffs I if you get distracted by Vegas then you're probably not going to last long in the postseason but I like Dallas and Carolina to move on I think goaltending for the Stars will be the advantage against those Golden Knights I like the sound of that yeah Jake Ottinger had a rough go against Seattle a little bit but everyone had a rough go against Seattle so just to oust them in seven games was huge and then yeah you can't go wrong with Carolina and how good they are at home it's almost almost like They cannot be beaten at home. And in a playoffs where I think there's been more road victories than home victories, you like having home ice advantage uh, the rest of the way if you're Carolina, for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, if Dallas wins the Cup, they would have won two Cups since the Cowboys have won a Super Bowl. Is that right? That is correct, yes. Wow. And the last one, the last cup came 24 years ago. So that tells you all you need to know about the Cowboys. <laughs> well, they, the Cowboys haven't gotten this far in their NFL playoffs since the mid nineties. Pretty remarkable. Yep. All right. Let's talk about your specialty, Notre Dame football for a couple of moments. I just want to touch on what I think was an important hire by Marcus Freeman two years ago at the time people who have opinions, fans about who Marcus should hire. I'm not sure Chancey Stuckey was high on many people's list. There are a lot of wide receiver coach names being kicked around. But Marcus mm-hmm. went with a guy that I think was kind of a, a quiet, growing star in the industry, and that is Chancey Stuckey. I'm wondering if you could offer a perspective of everything that's happened at the wide receiver position on game day and practice, and on the recruiting front, how important Marcus Freeman was in in picking Chancey Stuckey out of a, a group of wide receiver coaches? Yeah, it's it's crazy. That only happened what January of 2022. So I mean, we're all, we're not even a year and a half removed from when Freeman had to make that decision. And some, you know, hiring a wide receivers coach isn't going to be reported on as closely as what we just saw with Tommy Reese leaving and all of the names that came out to be Notre Dame's next offensive coordinator. So we don't really know the specifics and particulars about how Freeman landed on Stuckey, but to allude to your point, we do know that Stuckey was probably not the fan base's number one choice. I think at that time it was probably Brian Hartline who had Hmm. stuck firm with Ohio state and, Uh, A name slips me. I think there was a Washington uh, wide receivers coach involved. So there were definitely kind of like getting to Jared Parker. There were definitely some names on the hot board ahead of Stuckey. But just from my perspective, taking myself back to January of 2022, I kind of looked at his short resume and thought, why not this guy? I mean, to play, first of all, to play for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson when Sweeney was still a wide receivers coach. I mean, he's 
working closely with him as a player-coach connection. And then to come into the coaching profession in your mid-30s and start with Dabo Sweeney kind of during Clemson's heyday. I mean, we're talking uh, four or five years ago. We all remember how good Clemson was four or five years ago, winning national titles, playing for national titles. So just kind of for that to be his mentor, I, I thought that was huge. And then he has that one season at Baylor. And, I mean, Baylor played for a Big 12 title that year, I think, um, you know, was was kind of the cream of the crop in the Big 12. And when you think Big 12, you think passing offenses and high-flying wide receivers and all of that. So to immerse himself in that and then to get around to your last point, absolutely the recruiting. Uh, I'll let Mike Singer come in on Tuesdays and <laughs> kind of get deeper on the guys that are coming in future classes. But let's just look at this one class right now, this freshman class, four wide receivers at Notre Dame uh, is going to have – this season in 2023, I mean, that's four wideouts who all might play right away. And again, with the Notre Dame wide receiver group, we're talking about a group that's kind of whittling down and you're saying, okay, who's left? Chris Tyree got to stay there, even though Logan Diggs uh, moved on to LSU is kind of how thin that group has gotten. And pretty much half of these guys are freshmen. And I think Notre Dame is totally content with that, which is a complete 180 from where they were a year ago was kind of more veteran group, you know, Braden Lindsay, Joe Wilkins was still a thing at this point last year. Now you're talking about Jaden Greathouse, Enrico Flores Jr., Braylon James, Caleb Smith is coming in over the summer, another wide receiver from Texas. Chancey Stuckey went out and got these guys from the big-name states. I mean, three from Texas and then one from California. I think you'll take skill position players from those states any day of the week. He went in, cleaned house. And then I guess he did make one more point, and I'll keep this one short. When people ask me on the blueandgold.com message board, who's your favorite coach to watch at practice? Because, I mean, I can get within three feet of these guys at, at practice. Maybe not, uh, honestly, three feet sometimes. You're kind of standing right by them on the sideline as they instruct these guys. Chancey Stuckey is just so animated, so excited to be there. Like I said, he's a little bit of a younger coach, so he's still got some of that youthful ener- energy that just plays itself into – being hands-on as a teacher, and it just sticks out. And if the Notre Dame wide receiver core is really good this year, I mean, Chancey Stuckey is a name that we're going to be talking more and more about. You probably don't mind really great coaches getting better opportunities every couple of years because you want the elite of the elite, and the elite are going to get better opportunities, offensive coordinator, head coach eventually. So I have no problem maybe with Chancey only being here two years, three years. Because if you have a coach that's here six, seven years, there might be a reason why nobody wants that individual. So I'm totally okay with that. We're talking Tyler to Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Let me just bring up one of the freshmen that Stucky brought in. Obviously, Jaden Greathouse had a dynamic performance in the Blue Gold game, double-digit catches in that game, going over 100 yards. Do you believe that a, he has the best chance of the freshman receiver to get on the field first, and B, do you think he will be a factor this fall? I do think he will be a factor, and Rico Flores Jr. was the one that was really sticking out to me in these practices, but I guess I, I don't want to say I overlooked the fact that Jaden Greathouse was so consistent in the spring, but it's just because he wasn't really doing the flashy stuff. And then again, that, that kind of was the case in the blue-gold game. You look up and he's got – double-digit catches for 118 yards, whatever it was. 
No, no, no. I mean, I think he had a, a 20-yarder or so, but a lot of them were kind of in that 5, 10, 15-yard range. But the thing is, if you can do that enough and do it over and over, and then every Saturday you're ending up with a stat line of six, seven, eight catches for 80, 90, 100 yards, you're going to end up at the end of the season having a really nice year. And I think Jaden Greathouse has the best opportunity of the freshman wideouts to do that. Now, I think Rico Flores Jr. might have a spectacular 30-yard catch over the middle where he takes a hit because I think he's, he's really sturdy and can run routes really well and he can make those types of plays. Maybe Braylon James catches a 40-yard touchdown pass kind of like Tobias Merriweather did last year. But if you're talking week in, week out consistency and someone who's going to keep showing up, then absolutely I think that's Jaden Greathouse. All right, let's move along to Antonio Carter. Notre Dame picked him up out of the transfer portal, the defensive back from Rhode Island. He fell in love with Notre Dame so quickly, he canceled opportunities to go visit Florida, which he was a big fan of, and also he passed on going to say hello to Brian Kelly and LSU. So a couple of questions on Carter. Let me start with this. He's listed as a safety, but if you watch film of Carter, we watched him play a lot of cornerback last year. Do you have a gut feeling his responsibilities in Al Golden's defense? Yeah, I I think he does play a lot of safety just because I think that's the position where Notre Dame is going to need to rotate the most. In a perfect world, Cam Hart stays healthy. I mean, Benjamin Morrison's a spry sophomore. Those two guys stay on the field as much as they can at the two outside corner spots. And obviously, they're going to need a series off here and there. But, I mean, if you even go back to, I, I want to say it was the 21, 2021 season when Clarence Lewis was a sophomore, he hardly ever came off the field. And it's not like Clarence Lewis at that time or even now was a world-beating, can't-take-off-the-field cornerback it's just that that's a spot where you don't have to rotate if you kind of like what you have there and I think Notre Dame obviously really likes what it has in Morrison and if Hart stays healthy so uh, if you flip that to the safety spot uh, the Brandon Joseph thing I mean I've said it here I've said it elsewhere it, it didn't really quite work out the way Notre Dame or you know anyone that roots for the Irish that's because he did hold that status at one time coming in from Northwestern. He never really fully got there at Notre Dame. And it's not like Notre Dame added some, I mean, Adon Schuler, Ben Minnick, they could play a role this season, but they're both banged up right now. So you can't fully count on them. They got hurt in the spring. So you're counting on guys like Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, DJ Brown, a graduate student who, you know, once those guys, and we've talked about the linebackers so much, once guys, get to a certain point in their career where you kind of know what they are, you can't expect that much more from them. So what do you have to do? You have to go add pieces for depth. And Antonio Carter might not, you know, he might not end up being any better than a DJ Brown or a Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watts, but he does add depth. And the more of those types of guys that you can get, the guys who are reliable, but maybe not the flashiest, you're going to have to play some guys like that at certain positions. If you don't have, uh, that that's the, the cure-all for this, is going out and, and getting another Kyle Hamilton or Brandon Joseph being what he was in that one All-American season at Northwestern. Right now, you don't have that. Maybe one of these guys steps up is, and is that. If it's Antonio Carter, then Notre Dame really won the transfer portal on both sides of the ball with Sam Hartman and Antonio Carter. But uh, I do see him playing safety just because 
right now that's a, a pretty big position of need for Notre Dame. Do you think there's a chance he could come in and start for this football team? Because I think the theme, Tyler, for the offseason, they needed to find depth at the safety position. Even though he only played FCS football, some of his traits sure seems like it could translate really well quickly to high-level football. So is there a chance he could be a starter for this team? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned him playing corner, so some of these stats gear itself toward that. But I look at his 17 pass breakups in the past two seasons. Talking about a Notre Notre Dame team last year alone, so just one season, but across – everyone on the defense. I mean, that includes linebackers, if they're dropping back into coverage even. 24 pass breakups over the entire team. That ranked tied for 129th in college football. and A tie for 129th in the FBS means only one FBS team was worse or had fewer passes broken up. So you love to add a guy with kind of ball-hawking skills. Again, I don't expect him to play corner because I really like what Notre Dame has there. Thomas Harper was the guy they went out and originally got from the transfer portal from Oklahoma State. It looks like he's going to play a lot of slot, corner. Uh, You have Jaden Mickey and even Clarence Lewis to kind of rotate in there. But if you can get a ball-hawking element from the safety position, which is what, like, Kyle Hamilton would do. I mean, he would go across the field Mm -hmm. to make interceptions and and break passes up and, and just be someone on the very back end of a defense that opposing quarterback, offensive coordinator, everyone has to say, okay, that guy's back there. He could pretty much cover this entire field. I don't know if Antonio Carter's that guy, but I don't think Notre Dame has that guy in the other safeties that I mentioned. So you just kind of put him in in fall camp, see what he can do. And I, to answer your question more directly, I think there is a, a very real non-zero chance that he comes in and is one of the two best safeties on the team. And, and that's just kind of the way Notre Dame is constructed right now. Talking Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horker. Read his work at blueandgold.com. One other subject I want to get to quickly. I want to get your thoughts on what you learn, what possibly could be the role of the transfer from Ohio State, Javante Jean-Baptiste. We didn't see him in the blue-gold game. How good of a spring did he have, and how does he fit in into this fighting Irish defensive line this fall? Yeah, I wish we would have seen more of him, not even in that, just in that blue gold game, but just throughout practice in general, uh, he was one of those guys who would show up. He's in full pads. I mean, he fills out the Jersey. Well, I can tell you that he's a pretty <laughs> big dude. And, and that's what Notre Dame is kind of missing uh, in, in terms of the pass rush, because you have junior Tui Halamaki, you have Jordan Vitello, but I mean, those guys strike you more of like the outside linebacker type and they are converted linebackers. So Gene Baptiste, he's, he's more of that uh, big, bull rush defensive end type and I think that's where he slots in for Notre Dame kind of at that field end position strong side defensive end but uh, I'm, I'm, I just get the, the sense that uh, you know he comes here for a change of scenery and Ohio State didn't quite work out for him and we have to realize that we have to realize that part of him coming in is that he was never really he never really got to that point of being the go-to guy defensively for Ohio State. And when you think Ohio State, you don't even really think defense. I mean, I know Jim Knowles is there, and he's probably going to change that in the next couple of years if he hasn't already. But uh, I just wouldn't come in and expect uh, Isaiah Foskey 11, 11 11.5 sack type of numbers from him. I think he has the potential to make a big play 
here or there. But, I mean, if you told me he only ended the year with five or six sacks and was more of a, a Jason Adamalola type, or a, excuse me, a Justin Adamalola type contributor coming off the edge than an Isaiah Foskey type contributor, I mean, I would believe that based on what I saw in the spring because, I mean, availability is your best ability and he wasn't always out there. And then we have the Ohio State track record to go off. So he's going to contribute and he, he's probably even going to start, but I'm just not sure he's going to be the – you know, the every week, week in, week out, feared type of defensive end. Hmm. All right, Tyler, tell our listeners how they can be a part of the Blue and Gold family as we are heading toward the summer, recruiting still going on, and, hey, the start of fall practice just a couple of months away. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I guess I'll give a little spoiler uh, because in a, in a meeting this week, we, we talked about how quickly the football season's approaching, and you kind of like to do countdown-type series to – uh, the season opener, and of course Notre, Notre Dame plays week zero, August 26th against Navy in Dublin, and you know I was quick to be like, okay, how many days away is that <laughs> tomorrow? So Wednesday, or uh, yeah, what is tomorrow? Yeah, today's Wednesday. So Thursday, uh, May 18th, will be 100 days until that season opener. So we're going to have a countdown at blueandgold.com with a cool statistic related to the number of days away that the season opener is uh, a little teaser for tomorrow, 100, be on the lookout there at blueandgold.com. And that's just one of the many ways. I mean, here we are in the dog days of the summer, but at blueandgold.com, we cover Notre Dame 24, seven, 365. So there's always going to be some interesting stuff up there. And uh, it's definitely the place to be if you're a fighting Irish football fan. He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. Always enjoy the visit. Good luck to the Stars as they continue on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I was going to end this with Go Stars, but I didn't know if that would be appropriate <laughs> in northern Indiana. But I'm going to say it anyway, Go Stars. Yeah, there, there's no way you can cross a nickname of a, a college football team Notre Dame's playing with Stars, so I think you're safe. Yeah, all right, let's go Stars then. There you go. All right, Tyler, we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you, Darren. Thank you. That's Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I think there are seven games in week zero of the college football season. Clark Lee and Vanderbilt are playing on that August 26th date. And also the USC Trojans get their season started that particular day at the Coliseum against San Jose State. 6.27 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you. Sports Beat has more coming up in a moment, including our My Five, and it ties in the report that some ACC teams might be getting antsy with all the money that the SEC and the Big Ten teams are going to be raking in with their new contracts. We'll have a discussion about that coming up. As Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. 6.34 at WSBT. A reminder, you can still be a part of Michiana's Double Bingo game brought to you by Howard Park and Mishawaka Public Houses. For rules or the opportunity to grab your bingo card right now, go to michianabingo.com. Playing is free. The jackpot grows daily by 50 bucks at all season long. Tons of cash and prizes. Give it away at Michiana's virtual double bingo game. Again, go to that website, michianabingo.com. It's all presented by Howard Park 
And Mishawaka Public Houses, two cities, two parks, one river, one public house. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, today let's focus for a few moments on a story that's kind of brewing right now coming out of the ACC. Are we on the verge of another shift in teams finding new homes in conferences? We saw USC and UCLA kind of shock the world by saying adios to the Pac-12 and They're eventually coming over to the Big Ten Conference. So the Big Ten will be coast-to-coast, I guess, from Piscataway to Los Angeles. The SEC, the powerhouse conference in college football, those are the two conferences that have the massive, mega new media deals. And the teams in those conferences are going to be making a significantly bigger payouts compared to the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12. Now, the Big 12 is negotiating right now, and maybe that's why things are brewing right now in the ACC. So the basis of this story, we're hearing that seven or eight ACC teams have been checking into the ACC grant of rights and whether it offers them an opportunity to get out of their deal with the ACC. The problem is it runs through 2036. That's 13 years away. And I'm sure the payout is massive to break that contract. But the teams are checking to see what the damages are because... If you jump to another conference and start getting these bigger paydays, then eventually you're going to pay that off, maybe rather quickly. But there's only so many seats at the table in the SEC and the Big Ten. The problem seems to be if you combine the best of the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC, what do you really have? These massive media deals are based on big markets eyeballs on the television screen. Of course, the SEC filled with Southerners who eat, sleep, and drink college football. The Big Ten, massive TV markets. And those two conferences are going to be raking in the dough, but there's only so much money to go around. As I mentioned, only so many seats at the table in those two conferences. So it's hard to imagine how this is all going to end up. Now, reportedly, the seven teams initially that were checking out that grant of rights, which means they're looking to move on, North Carolina State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. Since the initial report came out, Louisville has been added as a team reportedly checking into this. So again, seven or eight teams. Now again, the SEC and the Big Ten are not going to take 
all of these schools. But let's just hypothetically try to find the top five combination of teams that makes the most sense for the Big Ten Conference. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I'm not really a big fan of this one. It's the North Carolina, North Carolina State combination. I like the North Carolina piece, but I think there are some better combinations if you're going to bring in two teams to the Big Ten. Now, those two fan bases would probably love it because you got a built-in rivalry coming to the Big Ten. From a football perspective, North Carolina, more high-profile than NC State. You know, Carolina... What would you say between top 15 and top 40 team in the country under Mac Brown? Basketball would be great in the Big Ten, but this is about football. So we'll start with North Carolina and North Carolina State. Another combination that might be of interest to the Big Ten. How about the combination of Florida State and Miami? Back in the 80s and 90s, there would be bidding wars to try to get these two teams. Those are top 10 football teams consistently close to and winning national championships. Remember when the ACC grew and they put those two teams in opposite divisions with the dream of Florida State and Miami playing for conference championships, which would draw great TV ratings? It never happened. How about that? So Florida State, Miami, Florida State looks like they're close to getting back to top 15 football. Miami keeps saying they're back, but we're still waiting on that. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Next up on just some fun combinations of teams that might be of interest to the Big Ten coming out of these seven or eight teams that are looking into that ACC grant of rights. Let's go with Florida State. And North Carolina. That's a pretty good football combination. It would be really good in basketball as well. You know, baseball, they might be two of the more dominating teams in the Big Ten Conference. But again, it's all about football. And that's a nice, solid combination. Number two. But now we got to bring Clemson into the conversation. To me, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina are the big three. You could argue Virginia because of the academic side. They'd be a good fit in the Big Ten. I just did not include them. I'm looking at football. Florida State and Clemson as my number two, I think would be a glorious combination. Number one. But the best one for me, I go Clemson and North Carolina. Carolina academically, I think better than Florida State. Two good football programs. I think Clemson and North Carolina, name recognition, I think that would be a wonderful addition out of all the teams being kicked around as ACC teams that might be looking for a new home. That's our My Five for today. It is 642 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We've had a busy day already in Major League Baseball. And some of the action that has already taken place today includes up in Detroit, the Tigers and Pirates meeting today. And the Pirates walked away with an 8-0 victory over the Tigers. Also this afternoon, the Reds are up 5-0 in Colorado. We all know that things can change quickly at Coors Field. 
Rockies came all the way back and outslugged the Reds 11-6. The Diamondbacks beat the A's 5-3 quietly. Arizona having a great year at 25-19. And the A's looks like they're on their way to moving to Vegas, which means Oakland will have lost all of their professional teams. The A's are a miserable 10-35, and and they are 5-20 in their home facility, which is still falling apart. The Giants picked up a win over the Phillies today by a score of 7-4. The Dodgers outlasted the Twins by a score of 7-3, so that's good news for the White Sox. And speaking of the White Sox, they'll take on the Guardians tonight, two of the Leading contenders to win the AL Central, both under 500 right now. The Guardians are 19 and 22. The White Sox are 15 and 28, including at guaranteed rate field, a record of 8 and 12. So the Twins are 24 and 20. Guardians 19 and 22. White Sox 15 and 28. The Tigers are 19 and 22. But fortunately, the Royals are not very good once again. They're 13-31, and 31, but they are beating the Padres 4-3 in the eighth. Just getting underway, Angels and Orioles. How about Baltimore with all that young talent? They are 27-15 and 15 on the season. And you got the Nationals and the Marlins, Miami, 21-21 and 21 on the season. Cubs and Astros, they'll be getting started at 8-10 tonight down at Minute Maid Park. All right, it is 644 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Again, no South Bend Cubs baseball tonight. They're already won in Beloit by a score of 10 to 2. We'll come back with a little sizzler. It was an overnight. We'll try to bounce back in a moment here on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My brother in law died suddenly. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with 6.51 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We had a good run going on, Sizzler. 11 consecutive shows. Not having a losing day. That ended last Friday. Bounced back with a good Monday. And then last night was a loser. An O for Tuesday night drops us. So now just two and six this week, but still in the month of May, 27, 21 and one for the year. We are 146, 123 and three. Two of these suggestions last night were Cubs suggestions. That didn't work out. I had the Lakers plus five and a half. They lost by six. I had the Cardinals minus a half a run in the first five innings. They're up 2-1 in the fifth, give up a home run. It's 2-2. I lose. Nothing went right last night but it's a new day let's try once again here are the four suggestions for tonight coming off a clunker night is it wise to go with the Chicago White Sox I'm hoping this is a good decision I'm hoping they're taking on the Guardians they have trouble scoring Mike Clevenger, what do you got for me tonight? I'm hoping you have at least a little better than average stuff. Socks at home. Let's give it a shot on the money line against Cleveland at minus 135. You bet 10. You win 1740. 
Also tonight, Spencer Strider's pitching for the Braves. He is on pace for well over 300 strikeouts. That's like Nolan Ryan stuff. When he pitches, I go with the Braves. Not a lot of juice here, but we're going with the Braves and Spencer Strider with that slick mustache. We'll take the Braves on the money line at Texas at minus 150. You bet 10, you win 1666. NBA playoffs. This number is not moved despite all the money coming in on the Heat, so I feel like I'm on the bad side here, but I'll stick with my gut. Celtics coming off an emotional Game 7 win. Let's take the Heat plus 8 against the Celtics at minus 110. And finally, my rule in the playoffs this year, the Canes are at home. I'm taking them. Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final. Division foes squaring off. I'll take the Hurricanes on the money line against the Panthers at minus 145. You bet 10, you win 16.89. So not a lot of real underdogs in my picks. Heavy favorites are on the card tonight. Maybe I'm, I guess, a little concerned after going 0 for last night, trying to get back on the winning track, but that's just what I saw on the card tonight. So White Sox on the money line, Braves on the money line, Heat plus 8, Hurricanes on the money line. Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University, adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. We have another fresh Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming your way tomorrow from 5 to 7 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Again, the South Bend Cubs played earlier today, so no Cubs baseball tonight here on WSBT. They're back tomorrow night at Beloit. Pre-game at 7.20, first pitch right around 7.40 here on WSBT Radio. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to my guests, Pat Cavanaugh, Notre Dame lacrosse All-American, and blue and gold's Tyler Horka talking Notre Dame football. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 o'clock on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.